the Zimmer News Network on 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO. I don't want to hear or see the Republican Party. It is terrifying. The hypocrisy is just running rampant. Because tonight is gas rationing the answer. Yeah, well, Fargo, you, do you know what environmental racism is? They were wrong, and Donald Trump was right. Well, I think your listeners are some of the smartest listeners in America because they have the information that comes across your radio waves. All right, all right, all right. Well, how many lies per sentence do you say? Do you have a quota? Uh, are you a death-on-demand kind of guy, Dave? Can you, can you answer yeah, my question? Yeah, how many lies per sentence? Ooh, scary. This is Wake Up Springfield with former Speaker of the House Tim Jones, News Director Don Luzader, and producer Cass Bowen on 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO. Yes, good morning this morning. Good morning, my people. It is Wednesday. Happy hump day. June 14th, 2023, 536 in the AM. You are listening to 93.3 AM 560, of course. The new KWTO. I'm Tim Jones, former Speaker of your Missouri House, joined by Cass Bowen, our executive. I'm sorry. I always say that. Everyone, you never catch me anymore. You're Cass Bowen Anderson or whatever you are. I've decided you're a hopeless case. <laughs> you just let me go about my business. I do. <laughs> Cass Anderson there on the wheels of steel, Don Luzader, our news director, and so much more. And we've got lots to bring to you today, a full lineup of guests, insight, information, and analysis. Let me just say at the top here, deep state domination is complete. Yeah, that's what you witnessed yesterday, folks, with the arraignment of Donald Trump. Historic in a epically horrible way. Things can be historic and not be good, right? like the uh, Dred Scott decision upholding slavery, essentially in the States back in the day. Historic, but not good. Similar, Donald Trump yesterday. Oh my God, he just compared Donald Trump's arraignment to the horrors of slavery. Well, you know, what would you call, what would you call the outright, unabashed, unadulterated, and um, largely, I would say, shameless political persecution of a political opponent? What would you call it? I mean, I don't know that we can come up with enough superlatives. It's historic in an epically bad way. Let me get back to that in just a second. Tim's top three, parts one, two, and three at 6.05, 7.05, and 8.05. We'll have the all-important AccuWeather update as we hit the midpoint of the week and head towards a Father's Day, U.S. Open, barbecue to the break of dawn type of weekend. Yeah, it's going to be a fantastic weekend, according to what Jeff from AccuWeather has been telling us up to this point. Has that changed at all? Well, you're going to want to stand by and make sure you're with us at 620-ish, where we will have the midweek forecast, and we'll look ahead to the weekend forecast as well. Dr. Randy Tobler. Oh, it's so great that we're going to have the good doctor on today. Maybe he's got the prescription for what ails us, which is much and mighty. Dr. Tobler joining us at 715 Missouri State Representative Bill Owen. Haven't had Bill on in quite a while, uh, at least not when I've interviewed him. I think he's he's been here a couple times, though, when I've been out, right, Cass? I think he's been in and out of the studio off and yep, on. that's correct. Very good. Missouri State Representative Bill Owen. You know, he's got that up. Uh, I'm glad we have Bill on today because 
something we haven't talked about in a while. But, you know, just because we don't talk about something doesn't mean that the lunatic left is not trying to accomplish it to destroy the nation. What I'm talking about there would be ESG. I know Bill Owen was working on that issue during session. session. It was one of the many items that was left on the cutting room floor. But the uh, left will not stop in their attempts to completely destroy all of our institutions, including our banking institutions. We'll talk to Missouri State Representative Given Bill Owen about his uh, about his um, his uh, his knowledge of the efforts in the Missouri legislature and what we might be doing when we go back into session in January. Can you believe that it is? Uh, you know, it's mid June now. Tomorrow is the midpoint of the month, and also older daughter Katie's birthday. Yeah, you're like. Can you Joneses stop celebrating things? We just we pretty much jam pack everything in our family in between May and June, with the exception of uh, my wife's birthday, which is in August. But we have so many, so many of our family members have birthdays, and then of course you always have graduations this time of year, and Mother's Day, and Father's Day, and lots of other celebrations. So yeah, it's just it is a busy time of year for for us, and I think for many of us in general. Sean Fleetwood. Going to join us at 8.15. Sean Fleetwood is one of the fantastic senior staff writers at The Federalist. If you have no idea what The Federalist is, I would urge you to quickly find out. I talk about it all the time. Don't act like you've never heard me discuss it before. The Federalist is available for free. It is a fantastic online publication, and you can find it at thefederalist.com. They do deep dives into complicated issues, and they analyze them. Uh, till the cows come home. And they do such a good job of it. Sean Fleetwood has done a deep dive <clears throat> into the actual language, the actual machinations of the Trump indictment, right? We haven't really, I don't know that we've done that yet here. Uh, as many of you know, not only am I a recovering attorney, I am a former prosecutor as well. So I'm really excited and thrilled to completely geek out, put back on my prosecutor's hat and talk to Sean Fleetwood today, who has done a deep dive into that indictment. You keep hearing, so you know Simon Ateba? Simon Ateba is that reporter at the White House that Corinne Jean-Pierre loves to hate. And I think the feeling might be mutual. Simon Ateba put out a tweet yesterday and it's along the lines of, I think the feelings of many Americans right now as to this right-thinking Americans, common-sense Americans, Americans that don't want to destroy our institutions. He's the chief White House correspondent for Today News Africa. Yeah, that's a thing. In fact, it's a big thing. Today News Africa is the number one U.S. Africa news organization headquartered in Washington, D.C., focusing on U.S. Africa ties and interactions. And just so you left-wing liberal lunatics know, so you can check off your little checkboxes at home, Simon Ateba is a person of color. Yes, yes, he is. And he locks horns with the horrid Biden flack known as Corinne Jean-Pierre, the blabbering, blubbering mouthpiece for the Biden administration on a daily basis. And of course, no one in the writ large corporate corrupt media, the captured media, as Vivek Ramaswamy calls them. I love that little catchphrase. He's entitled them. He, uh, Simon Ateba locks horns with Corinne Jean-Pierre every day. But of course, Simon Ateba is completely ignored by the rest of, but largely by the rest of his colleagues, probably except for his good friends at Newsmax and Fox News and other such right-thinking publications that don't want to destroy the nation. So he gets short shrift, right? But, you know, if the shoe was on the other foot, 
if this was a, uh, if uh, Simon Ateba was a leftist and he was locking horns with like um, Kelly McEnany or Sarah Huckabee Sanders, they would, of course, call those women racist uh, for not just accepting everything that Simon Ateba would say is true. But in this case, of course, the shoe's on the other foot. Simon Ateba put out a great tweet yesterday encapsulizing the latest so about the Trump arraignment. So with the Trump arraignment, with the Trump arraignment, of course, the media has already adjudicated the case, right? All we have is an indictment, but hasn't the media already adjudicated uh, the case? Yes, they've decided he's guilty. Once again, for the 7,000th time where charges are brought against Simon Ateba, they have declared that he's guilty without anything else. So I need to find I need to find this tweet that Simon Ateba uh, put out because it, I think, encapsulates really well uh, what I think most of you are thinking at this point in time uh, about this uh, about this indictment. And I can't seem to find it right now. So I'm just going to have I saw it this morning and now it's disappeared on me. All right. I'll get back to that. Um, we've got lots to get to today. As you can tell, uh, Tim's top three parts, one, two, and three, six Oh five, seven Oh five, eight Oh five, the AccuWeather update at six twenty. Brenda talent at six thirty five from the show me Institute. We're going to do deep dive into the unraveling of Medicaid here in the States. Yeah, that's a ticking time bomb. We pushed it hard against Medicaid expansion, but people were fooled at the ballot box and they voted for it once again. Uh, they voted for it. They voted for it. And we'll explain that as well. We'll bring town at 635. Dr. Randy Tolbert, 715. Missouri State Representative Bill Owen, 745. Sean Fleetwood at 815. Lots more to get to on the home front as well. News, weather, sports from Don. The hump day, happy. The morning dump at 845. How are we going to fit it all in? Where we're going to definitely do our best. Don, Cass, good morning to all y'all. How are you guys doing today? Good morning. Wonderful, Tim. Good, good morning. Hump day. <clears throat> Cass, do you have a uh, do you have a hump day happy ready to roll for us um, later in the morning? Are you gonna? Yeah. You gonna... So young Republicans are going to be out and about this weekend at the um, Sertoma Duck Race Days in Ozark, which is a very Ozarkian thing to do. The duck race. Oh, very cool. And so we're gonna have a booth out there. And so if you want to be come a young Republican, if you know a young Republican, come see us at our booth. We're gonna be down by the river. Excellent. Uh, one last thing before we get to the national anthem. Tucker Carlson has put out, I don't know, is this episode three? I think this is episode three of Tucker on Twitter. And much to the chagrin of the uh, corrupt corporate media and the lunatic left, when I went to bed last night, yeah, it's episode three. America's principles are at stake. Tucker also explains what the arraignment of Donald Trump is all about. So between Tucker Carlson and Simon Ateba, I think they've wrapped this all up in a nice little bow. Essentially, folks, Donald Trump exposed the problems, the, the dysfunction in Washington, D.C. of the military-industrial complex and never-ending wars. Simon Ateba explains how the arraignment then, of course, castigates Donald Trump and puts him in a position where, of course, he needs to be adjudicated immediately by the media and considered guilty on day one of his arraignment, despite the fact there's been nothing really done on the case itself. And you are now witnessing for the first time in American history where a sitting president, of the United States of America, who's under his own investigation for a massive bribery scandal, has decided to politically persecute his lead political opponent. Never been done before in our nation's history. Why are we not now a banana republic and careening, there's my cringe on Pierre reference, towards an absolute third world dictatorship? Many think we might be just that. 
All right, let's get to our national anthem. It is 547 in the AM. Cass, who do you have for us today? Pentatonics. Because yesterday was the anniversary of when they performed this. Oh, what year was that? I don't know what year it was, but Charlie Kirk posted it um, yesterday because he said it was one of the greatest anthems of all time. Okay, so it's an anniversary of what then? I guess when they performed it for the first time live. Oh, okay, very good. All right, well, folks, we're going to begin this morning as we begin every morning here in the land of the free because of the brave at 93.3 AM 560 KWTO with our national anthem. Can you see by the dawn's early light what's so brightly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming whose brush drapes and bright stars through the and AM 560 KWTO. You're listening to Wake Up Springfield with former Speaker of the House Tim Jones, News Director Don Luzader, and producer Cass Bowen Anderson on 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO. Kept on driving straight and left our future to the right. Now I am stuck between my anger and the blame that I can't face. Memories of something even smoking weed is not replaced. I just think it's, it's appalling. And I think um, he will be vindicated at the end of this. He is innocent. In my book, he's innocent until proven guilty. And I think only time will, I think time will tell and bring out the truth. Welcome back to 93.3 AM 560 KWTO. Some other reaction from around the internetosphere regarding the Trump arraignment that you're not going to hear anywhere else. Tucker Carlson, Trump is the one guy with an actual shot of becoming president who dissents from Washington's longstanding pointless war agenda. That's for sure. And for that, that one fact, they are trying to take Trump out before you can vote for him. And that should upset you more than anything that's happened in American politics in your lifetime. Folks, if you think that that is somehow Pollyannish or off the mark or doesn't make much sense, it's the thing that makes the most sense. Do you, and don't be naive. 
don't be childlike and infantile in your thinking, especially you left-wing liberals. If I need to speak slower, just let me know. Do you not realize how many people have enriched themselves at the hands of our never-ending, endless, pointless, around-the-globe wars over the last 50, 60, 70 years? We're not out there fighting the Nazis and fighting the rise of fascism. We're getting engaged in regional conflicts that we have no business getting engaged in. And a lot of people are enriching themselves courtesy of the blood and treasure of the United States of America. You don't believe me? You don't believe me? Why in the world is Washington, D.C. home to some of the richest zip codes in our country? What does Washington, D.C. make? Have you been to Washington, D.C. lately? I have. Have you been to the suburbs, suburbia, around Washington, D.C.? I have. What in the world? Why are there all these McMansions and high-level zip codes in and around D.C.? What does D.C. make? What do, what do they make? Tell me what they what they export export to the world. I'll tell you what they make and a, the, what they are. The military-industrial complex. They're exporting. They're they're exporting war to the rest of the world. You look at all those. Those fancy subdivisions, the, 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 the yachts, the, the members only, uh, high level golf, cl- uh, golf clubs and country clubs, the Tony Society of Southern Maryland and Northern Virginia, the burbs around DC. That's what they make. They export the war machine. It's the only thing I can think of. Yeah, it's a great tourist destination, but only, but, but good Lord, the tourist industry can only take Washington, D.C. so far. There are billions, I would argue over the last many decades, trillions of dollars that have been wrapped in and around the military industrial complex. And before you adjudicate Donald Trump along with the rest of the corrupt corporate media who have been wrong about Donald Trump for the most part, 99.9% of the time over the last seven years. Um, so Russian collusion, Ukrainian quid pro quos, all the other things that have been lobbed at him. What have they gotten him on so far? One civil lawsuit in New York City where the jury didn't even believe that that raging lunatic said when she said, oh, he raped me. Well, they didn't. Be- they No, they, they threw that count out. They basically awarded her some money. Because Donald Trump, you know, as Donald Trump does, vociferously attacked her in the internet sphere and pretty much in the press writ large. Before you adjudicate Donald Trump, I found the words of Simon Ateba, who is the African news correspondent that Corinne Jean-Pierre loves to hate. Today, new, today's Today News Africa, the chief White House correspondent. He says, I need your prayers for wisdom. This is after watching clips from cable news today. You see, as I watched clips of what those on cable news were saying about Donald Trump's indictment, I became convinced the mainstream media still doesn't get it. Oh, you think? It was almost as if they would just dress nicely, put on makeup, and talk to themselves. They would make some false predictions based on nothing, pretend to know what the real voters want, and claim that people might be silently deserting Trump. Yeah, where's the indication of that? They, they've been saying that. We're, the polls are actually, it's the, the opposite is true. Folks, we live in such an Orwellian world now. Simon says they're not even reflecting the voices of the people. They're just talking to themselves, repeating the same things, reading the same charges as if they were convictions and pretending that they were defending the people. It was so sad to see that no one even bothered to ask the people, especially conservatives, what they thought. 
Watching them showed me why most polls turn out to be wrong and why very few people end up dominating primetime for years and decades. Very few people are deep. Very few of them take a long look at the case to see the implications, not just for Trump, but for America as the most powerful nation in the world. They wrongly believe that what is happening today will continue tomorrow, that the headline today will lead to a conviction tomorrow. They engage in short-term thinking. Lots more of that in Tim's top three as we roll through a happy hump day Wednesday, 93.3 M560KWTO. Backyard grill. Knock the power out, too. But how did your roof handle the hail? Here's a tip from Dale's Roofing. Don't let door knockers look at your roof. They can cause even more damage just by being up there. For a reputable roofer that can properly assess the damage that you can see and even the damage that you can't, do dial Dale's It's time for Team's Top 3. Ha-ha, Tiny Timmy, away! One. Well, folks, I do want to mention one last time this morning that uh, we have been remembering former Speaker, Senate President Pro Tem of the Missouri Senate, Ron Richard, this week. He will be laid to rest today. The funeral mass is this morning at 10 a.m. in Joplin. I'll get the details for you a little bit later on. Ron Richard, he was a great man, the only person to ever serve at the top spot in both the Senate and the House, a fearless leader. He did so much to create this supermajority that we now experience. It would just be nice in Ron's memory if the supermajority actually started doing something that the majority should be doing. That's a story for another day. Let's do number two. <clears throat> yeah, the media acting all like shocked that Donald Trump was arraigned this week. I mean, <laughs> this case has been going on for nearly 10 months. Have you noticed that as well? The media acted this week like this like this, this like fell out of the sky. <gasps> oh, you mean Donald Trump's going to be indicted for something re- uh, regarding a bunch of records that he kept in a cl- locked closet in Mar-a-Lago? Oh. Maybe some of them were in the bathroom. Oh, you mean like in Hillary Clinton's bathroom? Yeah, everyone acting all shocked and, well, they're not chagrined. They're happy as clams. Simon Ateba, though, I think had the most significant take on this, one of the most significant takes, him and Tucker Carlson. And the poll quote from his long soliloquy at Simon Ateba on Twitter, the indictment continues to make Trump more popular. That's kind of the point that is just flying by the heads of most in the corrupt corporate media. And let's do number three. To further prove the deep state dysfunction, the fact that it wants to dismantle America, headline on The Federalist today, we're going to talk to Sean Fleetwood from The Federalist at 8.15. Bureaucrats hell-bent on Congress rubber-stamping FISA warrants so they can snoop without any real actual warrants or consequences. The deep state, the Orwellian state, the police state is here. And that's Tim's Top 3, Part 1. Two more fantastic parts to come here on a Wednesday. Happy Hump Day, June 14th, 2023, 6, 10 a.m. in the Heartland. I Silver, away! Don't ever do that again. Sorry. Well, good morning this morning. Good morning, everyone. It is Wednesday, June the 14th, 2023, 6, 10 a.m., We've got the all-important prized AccuWeather update coming up around 6.20. Right after our next break, we'll speak with Jeff from AccuWeather to learn 
what the midweek weather forecast is for us here in Springfield and what we can expect this weekend for Dad's Day. Yes, don't not forget your father's. You wouldn't be here without them, that's for sure. Mother's Day back in May, Father's Day this weekend. What, June the, I guess it'll be the 18th. And how, what a great Dad's Day gift. The U.S. Open tees off tomorrow at L.A. Country Club. I'm imagining that everybody, well, now that we've done this weird merger deal between Live and the PGA and the uh, DP World Tour, they would they would be there anyway, but this is a this is a major, so everybody gets to come to this regardless of where they're what banner they're flying under. But this will be the first tournament following that merger, so you'll have all that drama behind the scenes. Uh, Don is Tiger Woods done for this year? I've heard nothing about him in several months since he played at the Masters and had a really tough time physically getting around Augusta this year. Yeah, I yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, you know, he got he got injured, you know, and um again and he I you know, he made an announcement he was really only going to be playing in majors to begin with this year uh and not really doing other, any other tournaments except for the one tournament I think, you know, that he has and so forth. Uh but um no, he'll be he'll be missing, notably missing from the US Open. Uh the USGA in a statement announced that uh the 15-time major winner was withdrawing from the event after undergoing mm. surgery on his foot and ankle. He also, as you know, Tim, missed the PGA Championship as a result of that surgery. There has not been a timetable on when he might eventually return. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, he, um, the, the, the quote from um, Golf, uh, is this Golf Digest, Golf Magazine? Golf, Golf Magazine is he's missed all over, that's for sure, at a Southern California U.S. Open especially. I mean, Tiger Woods hails from yes. uh, Southern California. At a Southern California U.S. Open, where it's being held this year, Tiger Woods' absence still looms, so says the headline on Golf Magazine. Tiger Woods' iconic Hello World professional debut may have taken place in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, but there's no doubt his story began in Southern California, so reports Golf Magazine. Not only was he born and raised in Orange County, he got his first PGA Tour start as a 16-year-old high schooler at the Los Angeles Open. 31 years later, he hosts the same event, now known as the Genesis Invitational, right. which we all watched mm-hmm. earlier this year. But with the city of Los Angeles hosting a major for the first time since Woods turned professional this week at LACC, his absence still looms large. Oh, that's interesting. I had no idea. We haven't had a major in L.A. over the last many decades. Yeah, I didn't know that. Did not know hmm. that. Hmm. Yeah, um, I'm, I'll just say I think Rory McIlroy is playing great golf. You you have to count Scott Scheffler, Scotty Scheffler in. I think Jordan Spieth someday is going to win another major. Uh, I'm surprised he hasn't before now. I guess if I had to pick a favorite of mine, it would probably be McIlroy. Mm-hmm. Brooks mm-hmm. Kepka, though, look out for him. Exactly. <clears throat> I'm looking at the tea times for tomorrow, tomorrow morning. And since they're going to be on West Coast time, um, let's see. Uh, okay. Oh, there's a little option here where I can click it over to Central. That's cool. So they'll tee off uh, 8.45 a.m. Central time tomorrow morning. And some of the big names that jump out in the field uh, would be some of the ones that Don just mentioned. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau. Yeah. Uh, Shane Lowry playing in this tournament. <clears throat> 
uh, Justin Rose, Colin Marakawa, Patrick Reed, uh, Xander Schauffele. Um, let's see others here. Let's see when, uh, see some of the others you mentioned here. Justin Thomas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, looking for speed. Yep. There's Spieth, Matt Kuchar, Ricky Fowler. Yeah. Big names up and down the leaderboard. So everybody's going to be in LA this week, but as the headlines will be proclaiming throughout the week, Tiger Woods will be sorely missed. Yeah. I guess I missed the fact, Don, that he had another surgery recently. Yeah. But. He did. So that's going to side. Because you remember he dropped out of the last round of the Masters, right? Yeah. He dropped that's correct. out of the last he round. He made the cut. He made the cut, mm-hmm. and then he dropped out. Mm-hmm. You're right. You're right. Uh, we'll, see if he re- we'll see if he can recover to the point of ever being able to play professional golf. I would presume that he's out for this year because the Open Championship, which is played across the pond, in the United Kingdom will be like one month from now. Yeah. So I, I, I know he loves that tournament. Like yeah. he loves all of the majors and he excels at them, but I just don't see him coming back in four weeks. If he's not available to play. I now. think that's but a good point. Yeah. And did you see that the NHL uh, season is over? Yes. Family Cup the finals NHL are season. done. Yes. The NHL and the NBA, Don, finally yes. wrapped up their year-long season, which is what it, it feels congratulations, like. Congratulations, yes. by the way, to the Denver <laughs> Nuggets for winning their first ever NBA title and also to the Vegas Golden Knights who not only won the fifth and deciding game of the Stanley Cup final over the Florida Panthers but did it with a lot of goals being scored nine to three the final score last night uh, so they're partying on the strip today the um the Vegas Knights who were the expansion team made the Florida Panthers look like they were the expansion team in yeah. the Stanley Cup final taking them four games to one. And Don, as you said, in epic fashion, they couldn't score more goals. I mean, the Golden Knights, uh, last night when I turned it off, it was six to one Mm -hmm. in the uh, third period. And so they just dominated the Panthers, who were supposed to be a really, really, really good team. Yeah. All right. All right, it is 616 now. There is uh, Rachel Maddow. Maddow is trending on Twitter. And so I clicked on it to see what the heck was going on. Simon Ateba, who we were just talking about here today, is the first tweet that pops up. Why does Simon Ateba say that everything Rachel Maddow says is a lie? We'll play that for you in lots more after we do the weather, after Don does the traffic. So we got traffic, weather, and why Rachel Maddow was lying. Is that because her lips are moving? Maybe it's because her lips are moving. That's why we know she's lying. All that more is straight ahead. Keep it right here. Go nowhere. 93.3 AM 560 KWTO. Traffic from the KWTO Traffic Center. Looking pretty good in the Springfield area right now, but drivers should expect closed ramps and reduced lanes on I-44 at exit 18 in Fidelity off to the west of Springfield. That was after a crash yesterday at the overpass. Uh, they're still making repairs to the bridges, the last reports. Uh, westbound I-44 to southbound uh, Missouri 59 off-ramp. Uh, northbound 59 to westbound I-49 off-ramp. The eastbound I-44 to the northbound I-49 off-ramp. And the southbound I-49 to the eastbound. 3-3 and AM 560. That was the old regime. Who's going to go to jail for this? KWTO. You're listening to Wake Up Springfield with former Speaker of the House Tim Jones, News Director Don Luzader, and Producer Cass Bowen Anderson on 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO. How's the weather? How's the weather? How 
hump day. <laughs> no, yes, maybe. Mm, maybe. We've got yes. some, uh... Got some potential got some potential precipitation in the region. Let's find out where and how much and what that might mean for the rest of our happy hump day forecast. 62 degrees out the door this morning in Springfield with AccuWeather.com reporting a little light rain in the region. Let's check in with Jeff from AccuWeather on all of that and more. Jeff, good morning to you. Happy Wednesday. And happy Wednesday to you guys as well. How's it going? We are doing just fine for a middle part of the week. So, Jeff, it uh, appears we have maybe a couple of pop-up showers in the region this morning. Is that what you're seeing on your end? And tell us a little bit more about that. Well, it's going to be around for a little bit longer, not too much, though. So by about, uh, let's say, 10 to 11 a.m. is when all this is going to be gone. And most of the activity uh, is going to just be some light showers. You might hear a rumble of thunder, so keep that in mind if you're outdoors. The the lightning potential is there. Uh, But by about, like I said, 10 to 11, it should be completely gone. And the strongest storms are expected to stay into Arkansas. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, any any rain is definitely welcome indeed. Yeah, Jeff, I'm looking at the radar right now on the storm system. It looks like it appears as if it's centered over north uh, North Arkansas. So Springfield, southwest Missouri is kind of on the northern tail end of that. But uh, some of this uh, looks like some of it could be a little bit heavy, right, Jeff? So we're going to get some we're going to get some moisture out of this uh, out of this system. Not much. <laughs> um, what's happening over Springfield is just going to be a little bit in grand scheme of things, only about a couple hundredths of an inch. It's, again, south into north Arkansas, and then portions of eastern Oklahoma is going to see some. As a matter of fact, they have a severe thunderstorm warning for some strong winds and hail. Okay. What about So what about that system that's right now looks like over uh, Wichita and moving east? Is that going to affect us at all, or is that going to break up? The one that's over Wichita, that looks like it's it's supposedly going to be broken, breaking up a little bit. Uh, and the overall track of that is eventually going to turn south and east. But I will keep an eye on it just in case. Uh, but it does show on the forecast trend uh, to dissipate by the time it gets to uh, Springfield, which, again, is going to be around 9 or so this morning. How about the rest of the day, Jeff? What can we expect weather-wise after the, uh, after the uh, storm activity moves out? After it moves out, we're actually in for a very pleasant afternoon. We'll see clouds and sun, a nice temperature of 82 degrees, and then a clear sky by the overnight, 62. That's not bad. Very we'll take good. that. Very good. We'll take that indeed. All right, heading towards the weekend, Jeff, what can we expect weather-wise Thursday, Friday, and maybe give us a sneak peek of uh, Father's Day weekend as well. I'd be happy to do it. So tomorrow is going to be a good day. we got blue skies and sunshine hitting 85 degrees, which is average for this time of year, so perfect temperature-wise. And then another round of uh, some thunderstorms are going to occur tomorrow night into Friday. Some of these, depending on the exact track, which is still somewhat to be determined, some could have some hail uh, and even some damaging winds. I'll be keeping a very close eye on that as we get uh, closer to it, but uh, just want to make sure you're aware right now that you need to be weather aware for tomorrow night into Friday. Timing-wise, I'll give you the brief rundown here. So Friday in the, um, or excuse me, tomorrow night into Friday, that's not so much the strong stuff. It's more Friday afternoon, if that makes sense. Friday afternoon. Okay. Yep. Mm -hmm. Jeff, I noticed that the, um, 
evening, the nighttime lows are still falling below 70. What are the uh, what are the average uh, nighttime lows this time of year supposed to be? Around? This time of year, it's supposed to be in the mid 60s. So we're right on par, right where we should be. Mm-hmm. Okay, excellent. That's uh, that makes for good grass growing. I can tell you for sure. Yeah, going to keep uh, keep everything a rolling. Uh, and Jeff, uh, any uh, any any long term heat in the forecast? I mean, next week we're going to be heading into the latter part of June, and thankfully we're not complaining. But we haven't experienced any extraordinary heat yet. Uh, can we expect any for the second half of June at all? Well, taking a look, we got mid-80s for the start of next work week, so Monday and into Tuesday. Uh, but other than that, uh, beyond, it's still looking like we're going to hold in the mid-80s for majority of next week. Um, the 100s and 99s and all that are still staying pretty far south into Texas, uh, and that's actually occurring today and for the next uh, six to seven days, as a matter of fact. But it looks like we are lucky to have that wind a little bit out of the north at times, and that's what's keeping any of those hundreds or 90s at bay. Jeff, back it up just a little bit. Uh, what are the uh, rain and storm chances Saturday and Sunday for the uh, Father's Day weekend? Uh, what are they? Yes. In, in, yeah, so uh, <laughs> I, I almost didn't understand the question. I apologize. What um, about the rain this weekend? <laughs> So Saturday and Sunday. So Saturday is looking uh, pretty good at about the midday time frame, near noon and just after. Mm-hmm. Uh, then it becomes a little bit broken as you go into the late part of the afternoon and evening. Sunday, it's uh, Sunday morning, like early in the morning we have some. And then uh, as it continues, most of it pushes off to the east and south. There still could be a good amount of rain in the afternoon again with some renewed moisture that's going to pop up. Um, but uh, in general, Saturday is better than Sunday. And our, I'll put it that way. Okay, that makes sense. Are you looking at any kind of a severe weather threat uh, this weekend? Possibility, yes. Uh, right now, looking at the uh, outlook for those days. So if I go to Sunday, uh, actually, I'll go Saturday, Sunday. It's uh, right now painting a 15%, which is a slight risk, across southern Kansas into Oklahoma. And then on Sunday, it paints it just to the east of Missouri. So what that means in between, uh, let's say Saturday night into Sunday, that's when things could be a little bit more um, active. Gotcha. Very good indeed. All right, Jeff, thanks for all the details here on a happy hump day Wednesday, and we'll look forward to speaking with you tomorrow to more fully take us into the weekend. Sounds good to me. Take care, you guys. Take care as well. Jeff from AccuWeather there if you need any details, or if you just woke up, turned on the radio, and you just missed the end of that forecast, AccuWeather.com, AccuWeather.com for all the details regarding your daily, weekly, and looking ahead forecast-wise. Things are uh, pretty spectacular uh, here in here in the heartland, I would say. I mean, not bad at all. Not not bad, not too shabby at all. For I mean, for, for mid-June to still be in the 80s and falling into the 60s at night, I'm glad we didn't have any. Remember last year? Oh. Last year, we had one of the worst, hottest, driest Junes on record. Yeah. It was this like year, August. Yes, this year the opposite is true. We we have had some touches of rain. The temperatures have been delightful. The humidity has been low. It's almost as if we've moved to San Diego. Yes, indeed. All right, folks, before we get to a break here, uh, Cass, I want to play just one clip real quickly, and then we're going to head to a break, and then we're going to speak to Brenda Talent on the other side of that, just to tee this up for our discussion later on this morning. 
Um, let's do, uh, let's do Tucker four. Let's do Wednesday four. Tucker Carlson last night issued episode three of Tucker on Twitter. And he referenced the fact that, you know, why was the media acting all breathless about this arraignment of Donald Trump yesterday? It just shows how ridiculously silly that they all are. The Biden administration arrested Donald Trump this afternoon. They had him arraigned and fingerprinted in a Miami courthouse like the accused felon he now technically is. These were the first steps in a process that is designed to put Donald Trump behind bars for the rest of his life. Cable news carried every moment of it live. It's unprecedented, they told us, with what looked like shock. But they weren't shocked. They knew this was coming. Everyone who's paid attention knew it was. That's exactly right. And later in the show, we're going to talk about why it happened, according to Tucker Carlson, and what comes next. All right, going to get to a break now. It's 6.30 here in the Heartland. Don Luzader has all the local news that we need to know. And then when we come back, we're going to shift gears a little bit, talk about some issues on the state level with Brenda Talent, CEO of the Show Me Institute, showmeinstitute.org. We are going to talk to Brenda about Medicaid, what the horrors of Medicaid expansion could be doing to our budgetary process and to you, the taxpayer. Are we cleaning up the roles in Medicaid or are we not? Is our government acting functional at all with a supermajority of Republicans or are we just whistling past the graveyard? All of those questions will be answered with Brenda Talent of the Show Me Institute next here at 93.3 AM 560 KWTO. 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO News. KWTO News time, excuse me, 631. We have light rain and 62 degrees in Springfield, as you heard from Jeff from AccuWeather, that rain will be moving out this morning, and then we do have a pretty nice day, partly sunny, high of 82, maybe an isolated shower or thunderstorm this afternoon. Also looking ahead, the National Weather Service says we could have a strong to severe thunderstorm Thursday night and Friday. Complex of storms will move uh, toward the area on Friday after developing in the plains Thursday night. Strong storms will be possible with gusty winds and hail, the main risks. Locally heavy rainfall possible as well. The overall better potential for this activity will likely be just south of the area, but it could clip portions of southern Missouri. A judge has sentenced a man in federal court for his role in a scheme involving stolen catalytic converters. Judge Douglas Harpool sentenced 38-year-old Eric Kaltenbach of Springfield to four years and six months in federal prison without parole. The court also ordered Kaltenbach to pay $2,625 in restitution to four of his unidentified victims. In April, Kaltenbach pleaded guilty to one count of conspiracy to transport stolen property across state lines. And Governor Parson is requesting emergency hay and water access for farmers. The decision coming down Tuesday to combat growing drought. Of illegal aliens have been released into our communities. 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO. You're listening to Wake Up Springfield with former Speaker of the House Tim Jones, News Director Don Luzader, and producer Cass Bowen Anderson on 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO. A cold beer on a Friday night, a pair of jeans that fit just right, and a radio. The policies that come with trillion dollar price tags. The ones that, over time, have made the counties around D.C. the richest suburbs in the world. In Washington, that's what actually matters. And it's obvious when you look carefully. When there's a debate about anything else, for example, the debt ceiling, both sides take their assigned positions and they start yelling. But when Congress decides to start a war, no matter how foolish or 
counterproductive or obviously disconnected from America's core interests that war may be, when that happens, the leaders of both parties automatically jump behind it like circus clowns. And then they stay there, sometimes for decades. They defend that war relentlessly against all evidence until somebody finally rings the all-clear bell and they can begin to admit that actually, maybe it wasn't such a great idea. We meant well, but it just didn't work out. The good news is we've learned a lot of important lessons. Lot of money in government, folks. Yeah, I don't know if we all even understand how much is wrapped up into government and the business of government, and even more so in our entitlement system that we're going to talk to our next guest about and more. We've got Brenda Talent now joining us as she does every Wednesday morning, the CEO of the Show Me Institute. Well, I guess you could say the swamp is alive and well, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> My friend Harry and I have every intention of fully reimbursing you. Billions and billions of dollars just sort of roll off their tongues easily. That's as good as money, sir. Those are IOUs. Go ahead and add it up. Every cent's accounted for. Congress, before Christmas, went on a spending spree. 275000 Might want to hang on to that one. That ain't going nowhere! As she does on Wednesday mornings, Brenda Talent, the CEO of the Show Me Institute, joining us once again here at 93.3 AM 560 KWTO. Brenda and her good work can be found at showmeinstitute.org, at showme on Twitter. Brenda, good morning to you. Welcome back to the program. Good morning, Tim. Good to be back. Brenda, we're going to talk about entitlements today, something we haven't focused on in a while. But Brenda, you know, let's before we start talking about the specifics of this Medicaid situation that was brought to our attention this week that I know you have quite a bit to comment upon. Brenda, let's talk about how much money is involved in entitlements. Brenda, my understanding is that Medicaid is one of the largest dry. Well, back when I was in the legislature, and I'm sure it hasn't changed a whole lot in the last eight years. Medicaid is one of the largest drivers in Missouri's state budget, and in fact, probably the largest driver in most state budgets around the country. Medicaid is a huge portion, a, a an entitlement portion in our state budget, isn't it, Brenda? It absolutely is, Tim. And, um, you know, we can go back just a couple of years. It, it con- was consuming over 35, 38% of our budget. Uh, I I guess this is good news, but I don't think it is really because it's fictional. With all the influx of federal money and now with a budget of $50 billion, uh, now that that percentage has come down a bit, it, but it's still a major portion of the state budget and a driver of it. I mean, of that $50 billion uh, uh, budget that we're talking about, well over $13 billion of it is related to Medicaid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Medicaid specifically. And Brenda, when we say an entitlement, could you explain that a little bit more to our audience? I mean, that basically means that once someone qualifies for this benefit, it's really difficult to prove that they shouldn't be receiving it, right? That's correct, Tim. There are a lot of federal strings attached to this money. I mean, you'll hear lawmakers say, well, you know, the federal government's paying, and I'm, I'm going to specifically mention Medicaid, is paying a large portion of that Medicaid. And so for, for the state, we only have to bear a small portion of it. Well, no, not really. We still have to bear a pretty significant portion of it. And we've got a lot of strings attached to that money. And so, for example, um, until April of this year, um, for states that had Medicaid expansion, during the COVID crisis, 
they weren't supposed to kick people off the rolls. Basically, during the COVID crisis, if you qualified for Medicaid and you got on the rolls of the state, the state needed to let you stay there unless you took the incentive to contact the state and say, hey, guess what, guys? I'm no longer qualified for this, so you need to take me off. Unless you actually did that, they had to continue treating you as eligible and paying for health care services for you. So um, it, it's been a huge part of the budget, and again, lots of strings attached. And while the incentive is to ensure people have health care coverage, you've got to look at it and say, well, there's a point at which you know we need to be responsible stewards of our money, and that means people who are not eligible, who do not qualify for the benefits, should not be on it. And I'll also add, the benefit is such that, you know, if if – I go into a healthcare facility and it turns out that I was, I was qualified. Uh, they'll give me ret- retroactive coverage for three months. So they'll go back mm-hmm. three months. So in, in any case, it's, it's a huge entitlement program. It takes a, a, a tremendous portion of our budget. It puts a lot of constraints upon what the state can do. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so as a consequence, uh, you know, it's when we talk about entitlement, what we mean is basically let's just carve off that portion of the budget and say you can't use that money because it's already dedicated to this specific item. And so when we're looking at the federal level, you know, you can talk about Social Security, you can talk mm-hmm, about Medicare, mm-hmm. you can talk about Medicaid. So, Brenda, one of the things that you sort of touched upon and referred to, I think that we need to highlight is the fact that. Uh, along with so many other things, uh, Medicaid was expanded during COVID, right? Until, and so up and up and until Joe Biden with, you know, all the wisdom of Solomon declared that COVID was no longer a thing in, uh, early May, uh, last month of this year. Um, so Brenda, like with everything else, Medicaid expanded along with the rest of the expansion of government. And there's an article now that you all brought to my attention at Medicaid.gov, unwinding and returning to regular operations after COVID-19. What's going on here, Brenda? Well, what happened is that basically states were not allowed, as I mentioned, to check eligibility until the beginning Mm -hmm. of April. Um, And uh, a lot of states, have jumped on that. And by jump on that, I mean, you can look, there are a number of states which have significantly reduced their medic Medicaid roles, um, because they did these eligibility checks beginning April one, which was the, the date when they could begin doing that. All right. Not so much Missouri. Um, we began in, um, I think it was in June we sent out, excuse me, early May, we sent out some letters. And we're not going to kick anyone off, anyone who's ineligible, off of our rolls into July 1. But other states have done that in April and May. And what what the statistics are suggesting is that we have right now, hold on to your seat, Tim, we have 1.5 million Missourians who are on Medicaid, our Medicaid rolls. Um, Wow. That's a huge percentage of our population, right? The estimates is that probably around 20% of those people are ineligible. However, we've been paying for them and we've, you know, we're continuing to pay for them. And so when you look at a, and I'll just do what I call back of the envelope calculations, 
We're spending roughly $13 billion on Medicaid. If you were to be able to eliminate 20% of the people because they're not eligible to be on Medicaid, you're talking about a savings of about close to $2 billion, you know, $1.8 to $2 billion a year. That's a lot of money, and it can be used for other good purposes. Um, so in any case, uh, the fact that we've sort of dragged our feet in this process is not a good sign. Uh, other states, what they did was they they started because you can there are again federal rules, federal strings, right? Um, you as a state, you're supposed to make your best efforts to determine people's eligibility, and you can do that by just trying to go through data to see if people still meet the salary qualifications for that. A lot of states, what they did was they teed up their their, enroll, their roles by doing that process early so that they could identify the most likely candidates who are no longer eligible and send out the notices. Again, under federal law, you've got to give people 30 days notice so that they can tell you, well, wait, you're wrong, I'm actually still qualified. And the other thing about all of this is, of course, is if a state were to uh, inadvertently identify someone as not qualified to receive Medicaid, but they actually were, they have three months, again, to notify the state and say, hey, you're wrong, and they don't have to re-enroll. So there are a lot of safeguards in place for people who should be on Medicaid. But the bottom line is this is costing the state a lot of money, and um, unfortunately, I would argue we weren't on top of the situation. Other mm-hmm, states mm-hmm. were, and they are they are busy trying to save their taxpayers uh, money, which really should be in the state coffers. And so, Brenda, the problem is, you know, the, the left, of course, yells and screams and moans and complains every single time we do anything to try to do some cost saving or some cost cutting. You know, they start yelling and screaming about, oh, people dying and all this. But, Brenda, as you're pointing out, there could be as many as 300,000 Missourians who shouldn't be on the Medicaid rolls in the first place. And so, Brenda, when we have able-bodied Missourians taking up our Medicaid rolls, what happens is, Brenda, is those who should be on, in this social safety net, they get pushed out, don't they? So what you're doing is not only are you wasting taxpayer dollars, you're preventing those from, you're possibly preventing those from actually, who actually need the help from potentially getting it. That's correct, Tim. It, it is a thing where, again, the system is set up, it real it truly is a safety net and it and it's a pretty forgiving safety net for people who you know didn't enroll when they should have enrolled or 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 who still qualified but didn't bother to to respond to an inquiry which you know that's a whole different issue but but um no we we've got a lot of what i would call safeguards in place to provide the health care services that people need and you're right what you're going to hear from the left is oh my gosh you know Florida disenrolled a quarter million people. Isn't this horrible? And the answer is no. If they're not qualified for Medicaid, mm-hmm. it's not horrible. That's the right thing to do because yes. that program is there for certain specific people who meet its eligibility requirements. So, um, and it's it's really. I mean, when you hear these numbers, we become a little immune to them because there's. Right now, you know, we've got trillions and trillions of dollars of debt, but you do need to pay attention to it because money spent in this area when it's not needed to be spent. And, and by the way, let me, what, what Missouri is doing is it's buying health care services for these people. So it's not as if these people only tap into this money when they actually, you know, have a health care emergency. It's like they have 
you know, a health care program that they could access, but they're not because they don't need it because they're not eligible. But in any case, what this means is less money we can spend on education, less money we can spend on roads. I mean, you can go debt, less money on law enforcement. You can go down the list of things that are things that the state should be providing, which we can't because we have to, we have to, we are obligated to spend our money in this area. Mm, could not agree with you more. Brenda, yeah, we're going to have to update your intro. Instead of millions and millions, it really needs to say trillions and trillions now. We've kind of skipped really the billions does. part. Yeah, yeah, we definitely did. <laughs> Brenda Tallett uh, with the Show Me Institute at Show Me on Twitter, showmeinstitute.org. Interesting topic, Brenda. It's, it's, I guess it's good that the state's finally doing something, but as you said, they probably, they should have been a little more on their game like other states have been. We'll continue to monitor this indeed. Brenda, thanks so much. Have a great rest of the week. You too. Take care. All right. 6.49 in the AM. Would you like to weigh in on this or any of the other subjects of the morning? We've got lots more Tucker Carlson explaining why Donald Trump was really indicted. Simon Ateba weighing in on the media aspect of that and so much more. You can give us a call next and weigh in as well. 417-866-0933. 417-866-0933. Lots more straight ahead here at 93.3 AM 560. KWTO. the KWTO Traffic Center. We are getting reports of uh, slowdowns at I-44 at the uh, 18 exit Fidelity. That's the exit that we told you about, the uh, ramps being closed from the crash yesterday. Uh, This is being listed now as a vehicle fire, so we believe this is separate from uh, all the uh, lane closures that were happening there. Uh, So that's a big mess there. Again, that's I-44 just before the 18B exit. That's the uh, I-49 and the 71 northbound exit there in the Fidelity area in Jasper County. Also, Americans, someone do something about it. 93.3 and AM 560, KWTO. You're listening to Wake Up Springfield with former Speaker of the House Tim Jones, News Director Don Luzader, and producer Cass Bowen Anderson on 93.3 and AM 560, KWTO. Quick stop, midnight tea top, Jack and a cherry coke pen. Mama and daddy put the roots right. What just happened was always going to happen. It's been inevitable since February 16th, 2016. That's the day Donald Trump made a blood enemy of the largest and most powerful organization in human history, which would be the federal government. Despite what you may remember, it wasn't anything that Trump had said about immigration or trade with China or rapists from Mexico. Those are the stories that dominated the headlines that year. Trump's a racist, they screamed. Stop him. But inside Washington, that was just noise. None of it really rated. Identity politics doesn't mean much to permanent Washington. What matters then and now is foreign policy, the invasions and occupations and proxy wars, the decisions that determine which global populations will thrive and which will die. Tucker Carlson there hitting it out of the park with episode three of Tucker on Twitter. Tucker Carlson is up to, I went to, when I went to bed last night, uh, I was like, oh, maybe the uh, interest in Tucker Carlson has kind of moderated. It was still nearly 8 million views, but I was thinking to myself, well, you know, maybe people are, maybe the novelty has worn off. It's on Twitter. You got to go find Twitter. You got to watch it. So maybe it's worn off a little bit. Um, I was wrong. It's up to 38 
million views already. The video has barely been out 12 hours. It's because he's speaking truth to power. Tucker said some very interesting things there. And even Democrats agree with Tucker Carlson. Well, they won't say that. But along the same vein, do you remember what Chuck Schumer said about Donald Trump back in 2017? When Donald Trump dared to take on another aspect of the federal government, when he dared to call out what the motives were of folks in the FBI and the CIA and our other intelligence agencies, agencies back then, people still respected those institutions. Now, what do we think about them? Not so much anymore, right? Yes, we continue to praise the rank and file, the men and women who put their lives on the line every day to try to protect and defend this country. But the political appointees, the place needs to be cleaned up, mopped up, hosed out. I don't think I have that in all the right order. It needs to be completely sanitized and sterilized. It's a disaster. Do you all remember what Chuck Schumer said? He said that because of Donald Trump's actions in daring to question and take on the intelligence agencies, he would, quote, reap the whirlwind. He would reap the whirlwind. Boy, has he ever. So, Chuck Schumer was referring to Donald Trump taking on the intelligence agencies. Tucker Carlson's talking about Donald Trump taking on the military industrial complex. Both of them are the same. Donald Trump dared to take on Washington, D.C. I think many of us think, Cash, you probably think this. I thought this at some point in time, that when a president is elected, we all used to think that when a president is elected, well, then Washington, D.C. says, okay, Mr. President, what can we do for you? I don't think that happens at all anymore. I think depending on who that president is and what their political persuasion and philosophy about government is, the deep state, the bureaucrats, they may either decide to work with that president or they may decide to work against that president. And none of us believe that that's how our government should be functioning, right? Or they're a puppet and they literally don't run anything, make any decisions. They're just the figurehead which is what I think the case is right now with Joe Biden. I think that he literally is a puppet. I think somebody else is pulling the strings. I think that is the third option that is also very correct as well. Absolutely. And isn't that disappointing, right? Isn't that discouraging? Because when we were in school, when we were little ones, we were taught, well, when the whoever, whatever happens in the election Then everybody puts their knives and swords away and they say, Mr. President, or hopefully someday, Madam President. And they say, you know, it doesn't matter what we thought about during the election. The election's now over. So we're now going to serve the philosophy of the current president, no matter if they're a Republican or a Democrat. Ha! Isn't that Pollyannish, naive thinking, infantile thinking? Now we know that doesn't happen at all. As Tucker said it, they don't care about the politics of the president or his public policy positions. It's what the deep state wants. And how dysfunctional is that to run a railroad? Lots more ahead. Tim's Top 3 Part 2, 93.3 AM 560 KWTO. This officer was telling me my dad was a cop about when the Argentinian economy collapsed and it collapsed quickly. Now they were catching doctors and surgeons mugging people in the street to get money for food because it all broke down so fast. You think that can't happen here? Just like a virus can't break out here? Just like planes can't crash into two towers? Just like Russia would invade Ukraine? Dan Bongino. I don't know about you, but I'd start getting prepared today. Sounds like